0: I couldn't have designed a service to go the way that the message has to be presented than how it's already gone. Because I'm about to start this new series about the lives of the disciples, 12 men that literally went and turned the world upside down. See, I've been telling you for a couple of weeks that Jesus had a part of the plan of salvation that only he could do. He was the only one qualified to go live a sinless life, die on a cross with sinless blood to pay for the remission of sin for all humanity and then be God enough to get up from the dead. Peter, James and John, they couldn't do that. But there was a part of the plan of salvation that included these men because Jesus knew his earthly ministry was only going to be uh, about three and a half years of public ministry, and then he was going to ascend back to the Father. The Holy Spirit was going to come and anoint these men and women that went from 12 to 11, then they went back to 12, then to 120, then to thousands to where we are today with me and you being a part of that gathering called the disciples of the followers of Christ. See, it's important for you to understand that yes, these men, their lives, some of them are described in scripture, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to probably say this uh, twice in the sermon once at the beginning, once towards the end. Peter, James, and John, they're not alive today, but you are. And so your life now becomes the reflection of Christ. You're the ones that God uses right now to be his reflection. You're on the team and you're on the team on purpose. So I know we've prayed a lot today, but would you join me in prayer one more time for God just to anoint me to be a a servant that would speak his word with the authority and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, today I thank you that we have a moment here. We have prayed for the sick to recover we have prayed for those that need miracles. We believe that you're a God of miracles. We've prayed for encouragement to the broken. Father, we've given encouragement to one another. We've honored uh, families in the church. That if there's a, a season where a young man is going to be placed into your care and he's going to go to a brand new city and he is going to be your reflection. I believe lives are going to change, not just because of Chris, but because your people go out of this building and reflect the power of your gospel in words and deeds. Anoint me to speak your truth today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Amen." Amen. See, what we don't understand is that when Jesus started his earthly ministry, his public ministry, you know, he's he's been baptized, he's had the declaration of John the Baptist saying he's the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and he started to gather a group of followers but out of this group of followers he was going to have to identify that inside of this group of followers were 12 men that were assigned to be have responsibility in the plan of God to be his teammates They were going to be the ones that were going to run with him, live with him. They were the ones that were going to have faith with him, that they were willing to leave boats and things. Do you know what Jesus did before he identified who was going to be his 12 disciples? The Bible literally says in Luke chapter 6 that he went all night to pray. Here is God thinking about the responsibilities that, that are, were going to rest on the shoulders of these men. They were going to be responsible for participating. He was going to do his part and then he was going to leave a part for them to do. And he was praying for them. He was probably praying, God, Father, anoint me that I might receive the knowledge from the Holy Spirit to identify those special 12 men that were going to help me carry this gospel. And then he was probably praying, I know the cost that it's going to cost them. I know the responsibility. I know that there's going to be a moment where pain is going to be involved. I want you to give them strength. And the Bible said he didn't go to a mountain and pray a prayer. It says he went to a mountain and prayed all night. Listen to Luke chapter 6. It says in these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when the day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named Apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. These men were Galileans, They were not from the elite. They were not from the temple. They were not from the palace. They were not from positions of power. Most of them were just common men. Commoners. Out of the 12, we know six of their professions. Four of them were disciples. You had one tax collector, which everybody hated. And then you had a political zealot. You had that guy that was, you know talking about whatever was happening in politics all the time. The problem with this guy is that he was associated with a political entity that were known for being kind of renegades. They they were like the, you know, the Robin Hoods of the day. They were willing to steal from the rich to give to the poor. They were those kind of guys. And then six of them, we don't even know what they did for a living. And so when you think about this, he prayed and then identified all of these guys. And you ask yourself, why? Why not go to the priests? Why not go to the the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes? Why not go to those that were in political power already? So you could have a little bit of platform for authority where you could speak your truth. Because he knew that me and you were going to believe. See, you have to understand that there's a reason that Jesus went to pray. Because he was not choosing these guys by accident. It wasn't because they were being selected at the, because there was nobody else to pick. Has anybody ever been the last person picked in a game? That's not always a great feeling. Where everybody, you know, they don't know who you are on the inside. I remember when I would go to a new area to play basketball. You know, and, and you know... Uh, Pastor Matt knows it's coming. It's like, oh, Jesus, here it is. You know, he's a great basketball player. But I was okay in my day. I could play. But I'm five foot nine. It's easy to pick somebody that's six foot four, you know, go practicing around, dunking and everything. But, you know, everybody don't have to dunk to put the ball in the hole. Amen? But they'd see, oh, man, this guy's short. And they would judge me on my outward appearance. And that would make me have kind of a chip on my shoulder. I wanted them to prove the next time you get to pick, you better not pick me last. Well, see, God didn't pick you to be a part of his team because you were the only people left. He picked you on purpose. And it's because what got you here was the same thing that got them there, prayer. I wouldn't even be here without prayer. First of all, I had to hear from God through prayer that I was supposed to come to Southwest Florida to pastor here, but I wouldn't even be alive had my mom and dad not prayed for me because I went through a a period of time in my life where I was a mess and made some poor decisions, got myself into a mess, wrecked a few cars. And really, I believe that, that their prayers helped protect me in those moments of disobedience. Most of you are saved because somebody prayed. A family member, a friend that just started to pray for you and say, you know what, God, I know that they seem to be so far away from you right now, but I'm going to pray and believe that you can do anything. When you transform me, you gave me a faith to believe you could transform anybody. And you may say, well, pastor, I don't really have a whole lot of family that, uh, that has faith. And so I don't know who prayed for me. We did. You don't know how many times we've walked around this sanctuary laying hands on every seat and declaring, whomever was to ever sit here, we want them to know that they are loved by you. We want them to feel the presence of an almighty God and that we love them as well. And if that's not enough, do you realize that Jesus, before he went to the cross, the Bible literally says he prayed for everyone that was going to believe. That he prayed for you and he prayed for me. And the power of prayer has brought us to this moment where we can now unify together. And and these guys that he picked, they're not the greatest, they're Galileans. They're not the guys that come from Stanford University. They're the guys that are just on the dock. This one guy named Peter, I'm gonna talk about him in detail next week. He's a fisherman. He's about 40 something years of age. He talks like a fisherman. Does anybody know how fishermen talk? What'd you catch today? He was this big. And I had so much skill that I'm the only one that could have caught him because all the rest of the fishermen in the world are this. That's how they talk. Everybody ever heard cuss like a sailor? Fisherman. That's this guy. And Jesus meets him. And says, when he meets him, his name is Simon Barjona, which means Simon, son of John. And immediately he looks right at him and goes, I'm going to call you Peter. My mom and dad were in first service. My mom and dad would have had a problem with somebody coming to me and say, you know what? I'm just going to call you something else. He said, no, nah. see, Peter means stable, rock, foundation. And his life was anything but that. Not only his behavior, but his speech was anything other than stable, firm, or a foundation. But God has a habit of calling people based upon the potential he deposited inside of them, letting them know who they are even when they haven't got there yet. So there were times that he would call him Simon, and there were other times where he would call him Peter. Most of the time when he addressed this guy as Simon, his flesh had risen up. And you say, "Pastor, why did he select this guy that had so much problems? Was struggling with his flesh and his spirit. Don't you have problems too?" I do. When my old self wants to rise up, and the Holy Spirit says, David. And and, and in this case, Jesus would say, Simon, you're letting that old man come to the surface again. I want to remind you, I call you Peter. There's a moment where each and every one of us have to understand that we were never qualified and most of us would consider ourselves unfit to be on Team Jesus. So were all of these guys. Because God wanted to know that he's not really, we don't have to measure our our current um, responsibilities or our ability to aspire to something based upon our current situation. We don't have to measure who we are based upon our current behavior. Because when we say, when God, we say, God wants to pick you for his team. You start thinking, oh, I can't be on his team. I'm a mess. Because you're measuring the call based upon who you are instead of how powerful he is to transform you. And so you're stuck in a position that says, I am this because my behavior, my speech and everything about me says I'm unqualified or unfit. And God says, no, you're just the people I'm looking for. And so he says, these guys and this guy, the Simon and Peter, man, he's wrestling all the time. How many of you turned perfect after you said, Jesus, forgive me of your sin, of my sins? Yeah, I didn't either. I was just hopeful that somebody would say, yeah, man, I got perfect as soon as I pray. I was like, what did you do? Where did you pray? We need to go there and pray too. <laughs> no, none of us are perfect. We're all struggling. And you know, he never kicks us off his team. And so This guy, this fisherman, we're going to learn more about next week. The Bible has two books in the Bible named after him. First and second Peter. And in first Peter chapter two, he starts out by telling everybody, let me say this first. He said, Jesus, he's the big rock. He's the rock. He's the cornerstone that the builders rejected. He's the one that the prophets prophesied about. He's Messiah. He's king. He's Lord. But, you know, he's not just big rock, but he made us all to be little rocks that we put ourselves together as living stones upon the foundation of the big rock and we become an an example of the glory of God. That's his context when he gets to verse 9. Look at somebody and say, he's the big rock, you're the little rock. (laughs) <laughs> he gets to verse 9 and says guys if you will pull that up in just a moment I, I learned in seminary King James version I know that I preach out of ESV basically it says this for you are a chosen generation I like the ESV it says this as soon as I put my glasses on I'm able to see but you are a chosen race you're a people group you're a team you're identified by whose you belong to. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now look at verse 10. Once you were not a people, once you had no identifying characteristics because he's not talking about your ethnicity. He is talking about who you've become as the people of God. You once weren't even a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What in the world does that even mean? The first thing Peter says is, I want to remind you of what he reminded me a long time ago. When he come off that mountain, still with his cheeks stained with the, the streaming of tears where he had prayed all night, he chose me and he's chosen you. You weren't just the scraps. He chose you on purpose. The people of God now have an identity I don't know how many of you uh, got a chance to watch the clergy symposium on race in the church this week, but we've had over 2,000 views. Six pastors coming together from all different ethnicities and background, and we finally started to speak. We're not the only voice; we're just a, a voice, and we've started to speak on issues that where the church has remained silent. And one of the issues that we've remained silent on is your true identity. Your identity is based in Christ, and you are chosen. And when you are chosen, and he said, you're not just picked, but you are transformed from the common to the royal. He didn't say you just become, you were bad guys and you turned into good guys. You just weren't sinners. And now you're priests. He said, no, you're a royal priest. He's been doing that for a long time, folks. This ain't the first time he's transformed somebody from being common to somebody that's going to be royal. He did that with David. And I'm setting y'all up for a fall here. I'm just telling you, you're not, you're gonna get this and go, "Wow! I thought he was talking about David." No, He, he. Do you know that David's family was kind of a mess? You know that when you start reading about David's family, you start with a woman that is not an Israeli. She's not Hebrew. She's a Moabite. She's married to another man that dies. She comes back to the Bethlehem area with her mother-in-law because her husband had died and her name is Ruth and her mother-in-law's name is Naomi. And they're so poor that they're on subsidy. They got to go glean in a field the scraps that the farmers leave for them. She gets the attention because of her grace. First of all, she's beautiful. Second of all, her beauty doesn't stop at skin level. It goes all the way to the core of her because Naomi, uh, probably in her probably elderly age, is supposed to be in the field with her. She said, no, mom, you stay home. I'm going to glean for both of us. She gains the attention of the landowner the landowner marries her. His name is Boaz. So the, now the field she used to work in for the scraps she now owns. And now God takes their bloodline and causes them to have a child named Obed. Obed has a child named Jesse. Jesse has sons. One of them is David. He is, because we think, oh, he made a shepherd. That little bitty, that, that, that guy that was just so down here and God put him up here. You ain't measuring correctly. Yes, that's a wonderful transformational story. Shepherd becomes a king. I'm not talking about the chair he sat in. I'm talking about the blood on the inside of him. He took common blood and made it royal. And that royal blood not only sat on the throne of Israel, but was the very bloodline where Jesus come to earth. I'm not talking about a king that sat on a throne. I'm talking about the king of kings. And here they are, sitting. He says, they're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're set apart. You're not like the world. You're distinct. You have on a different jersey now. I started to wear a Laker jersey today, Matt. We were up two to one. I watched every second of that fourth quarter last night. We got a jersey that now reflects who we play for, who we live life for. He is now telling us and, and assigning us. We have a different spirit. We now have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That now every one of you that thinks you're unqualified now have just become qualified to be the dwelling place of God. So that qualifies you to do whatever he's asked you to do. He says, you you got a different spirit. You behave differently now. I used to be selfish, self-centered. I just wanted what was mine, or at least what I thought was mine. And now I've been transformed by the power of the gospel where it's not about me, it's about him. And I love God with all of my heart, which prepares me to be a good husband and a good father and now a good grandfather. And the fact that now I don't stop there, but then I don't even get to love myself second, but now I'm looking for my neighbor to love. loving our neighbor like ourselves. We're different. And that difference, that transformation makes us, put that scripture back up there and hold it for just a second. It says you're a holy nation, a people of his own possession. That means you're the treasure of God. That the treasure of God is not gold. That's pavement for him. You know what his treasure aren't gates of Jasper or walls of Jasper and gates of Pearl? He said you were his treasure. You were his possession. You were the thing that steals his heart away. I almost, I, I, I forgot my phone. Josh, you got my phone? No, Melissa, got, can I use your phone? I went to North Florida this week. And I'm finding out that as I get older what I consider treasures they're like how you been man it's been a while since we've seen you I said you won't believe this I'm a grandfather now I've been gone there for 18 years and you know what I don't show them pictures of how many we had in attendance last Sunday I go oh man here look here's Riley here's Mila here's Levi I even got some of your kids on my phone I'm scratching do that look at here That's when we took them to Disney World for the first time. If God don't have a cell phone, but if he did, what that scripture means is he would get out his cell phone. If somebody was saying, what means the most to you? He'd show them a picture of you and me. But now there's responsibility in this text. You just can't, you just don't go from common to royal and, and not have responsibility. Look at the responsibility in the text. That you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why do you have to be a part? Why do I have to be a part? Why can't we just read this book right here and say Peter, James, and John did it and Jesus did it. Let's That, that should be good for everybody. No, they were important. Jesus, the most important, amen? But so are you. So I got to this point in staff meeting on Tuesday. I normally preach what I preach to you on Sunday. I preach it to them on Tuesday. I practice. And I said, what were you like when you got saved? How did God call you out of darkness? David, if you'll get ready to play me something. And some of them on our staff said, I've been saved from a little kid. My wife was one of those. Like... She's like, I got saved when I was like seven. I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 10. Only thing I was filled with at 10 was birthday cake. (laughs) here she is filled with the Holy Spirit at 10. I'm like, I don't have that testimony. My dad is one of those... My dad is one of those people who have that kind of testimony. To my knowledge, my dad has never tasted alcohol. I don't have that testimony. (laughs) He has never cussed out loud. Now, I know he's cussed in his head because he's looking at me. You know, and I, I see that look on his face like, You know, and he's that, but I don't have that testimony, and most of you don't either. (laughs) I'll let you get that. But then another one of our staff said, I was a drug addict when I got saved, I was a mess. Now I'm a pastor. Another person said, well, I got saved at the age of 20-something in New York City, Times Square Church, in the overflow. They could tell you the pastor that was preaching that day and the moment that they got saved and how they celebrated after they got saved. It doesn't matter if you got saved in your 20s, your 40s, or you're going to get saved today. It doesn't matter if you've had fists of alcohol, or you've had struggles with drugs and addictions, or you've been through broken marriages and broken relationships. It doesn't really matter because each and every one of us, including Michelle that was baptized in the Holy Spirit at 10, and my dad that has never said a bad word out loud, all of us were in darkness And every one of us needed to be called out of darkness into the marvelous light. And so your testimony matters. It's you sharing your faith, proclaiming his glory. I wish I could have a microphone and just go through and say, how did you get saved? What was the moment where you got saved? When you got called out of darkness, because there's somebody that has something similar going on in your life somewhere in their life that is somewhere that needs to hear there's hope for them. It's that moment where God comes alive and you know that you're a part of his team. And you're able to share. And that's what Peter was saying is that I used to be a fisherman on the dock. And he made me an apostle. Not because I was qualified, but because he deposited the Holy Spirit in me. And when he deposited the Holy Spirit in me, I become royal. I had the bloodline of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I started to become holy because he's holy. I'm not perfect, but I started living different. And I want to tell everybody that he called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if there's a place in his team for me, there's a place in his team for you. It's where we know. I'm going to say this and we're going to let David lead us into worship. If I could choose any church today in America to pastor, I would pastor this one. You know why? This is where my team is. This is where we run together. This is where when I'm weak, you pray for me. And when you're weak, I pray for you. It's where when we, when we fall short, we don't judge, but we pick each other up. See, if I go somewhere else, I might, not, I might have to be perfect, and I'm not perfect, and I fall down. And you know what? For 18 years, you and the Lord have been picking me up and say, don't give up. Don't don't lose track of the vision. Don't lose track of the dream. Keep it alive, Pastor. This is who we run with. I would die for you. And I think you would for me. Whether you're in this building or in your living room on the other side of that camera. We do life with each other. We're on the team. Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord as your Savior. Maybe this is the Sunday He designed for you to look around and see that He is the one that chose you. And that He wants you to get past all the things that you think have unqualified you or made you unfit to be on His team. He's never looking for perfect people. He's the only one that's been perfect. He did it for all of us so we could all have a spot on the roster. David, lead us in worship. are the people of God would you bow your heads with me for just a moment if you're already saved would you start praying for those that might be here that aren't for those behind the camera that aren't even in this building that may surrender their hearts to Christ right now because we acknowledge that we probably got here by prayer maybe they will too If you're here or you're at home if you're going to receive Christ at home we want you to text us, make a comment I got saved today, not so we can count you as a number because what we're doing is welcoming you to the team we're celebrating but if you're here today and say you know pastor I, I really thought I was really unqualified unqualified unfit to be on the team of the Lord he's so holy and I'm not I didn't know that he could transform me that he took a fisherman and made an apostle out of him and if he could do that with him he probably could do something with me nobody's looking around but if you want to start your journey of faith today and receive Christ and what that means is more than just you saying a prayer it starts with a prayer but it means that you are going to turn away from the way you were living bound by sin and you're going to start moving towards the plan and the life that God has set aside for you to live to reflect his glory are you going to be perfect no we're going to settle that up front you're not going to be perfect even after you pray but he was perfect for us it's just time now to join the team so if that's you be part of the family of God you want to be a part of the family of God right here in Southwest Florida with Citygate and all the other churches that call us the body of Christ would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for today thank you for that hand thank you for that hand thank you for those hands is there any others thank you for that hand there in the balcony. Thank you. There's two more, three more in the balcony. Four, five. Wow. Would you stand with me, everyone? I'm going to pray can't pray for you this is those moments where you have to there's some things you have to do for yourself I can't pray for you but I can sure pray with you and while we pray together you're going to say Jesus I need you to be the Lord of my life forgive me of my sins I'm ready to join the team I'm ready for you to be the Lord of my life and I'm going to believe that if you can transform those men in the Bible you can transform me and I'm going to have that faith that I'm going to do my part to participate to tell people how you got me out of my situation and made me somebody because of your love. He will never quit loving you. If you raised your hand, you're about to receive the greatest gift you've ever received in your entire life. You finally have a God that will never quit loving you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every hand that went up and at this moment as I am praying. Humbled to know that there were so many hands that went up that right now you are forgiving them of their sins. You are transforming their life. The Bible literally says their sins are going as far as the east is from the west right now. They have no more condemnation. They don't have to walk another step of guilt of what they did, who they did it with, or how many times they even did it. It just matters now that they made a decision to follow you and that you right now are so righteous and the power of your blood is abolishing all those sins right now and they are standing before you justified not by their behavior or not by what they could bring to the table. They're justified by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ and the authority of his resurrection. And we give you praise, honor, and glory for welcoming them into the family of God, the team of Jesus and that we now stand ready to welcome them as part of our church family. And we give you all glory because all of us were called out of darkness into your marvelous light and we will not forget. We will not forget remembering how far you've brought us and that you are worthy of all praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we put our hands together and welcome all of those that have just received Christ?